Throbbing with Horror is part of the Why Not Talk About This universe of podcasts. Hi, this is Brett, and this is the first episode of Throbbing with Horror, um, my weekly podcast about different horror movies I watch. Sometimes we do top five lists. Sometimes we just do deep dives on certain movies. Sometimes we do three months. Like, I was already thinking about doing an entire month of Nicolas Cage-themed horror movies, like just horror movies that Nick Cage was in, and there are some great ones. So, um... On our first episode today, I would like to introduce the uh, one of the co-hosts of uh, Ruthless Retrospective, Greg. What's up, man? Thank you for having hey, me man, on. How's it going? It's good. Um, what an appropriate time, by the way, for you to start this podcast. It's spooky season. Yeah, it starts tomorrow. <laughs> oh, is there an official start to it? I mean, I always say it starts on September 1st. Yeah. And because I always give, you know, my wife, Liz, she loves Christmas. I love Halloween. So she starts to let me decorate September 1st for Halloween. And then November 1st, she starts decorating for Christmas. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So we both Man, get November 1st is rough, though, because the big Halloween bash is 31st. And then the next day, it's Christmas. Oh yeah, it's it does get rough, and it, that's a pretty hectic day trying to get all the Halloween decorations down, and then all the Christmas back up. Usually, we only get most of the Halloween decorations down, and I'll keep a couple fake heads out until the second. <laughs> well, I've been to your not your current house actually, but I've been to your old place. Let's be honest; you have some of your regular home decor is pretty much Halloween decorations. Oh, yeah, and since uh, you were over to my place last, it's just gotten worse. Like, having a spirit Halloween within walking distance has not been amazing on my home decorations. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it has been amazing, just not on your wallet. Exactly. All right, well, like I said, I appreciate you bringing me on. It's, uh, this is going to be a fun one. Yeah, I know. We've done a couple podcasts in the uh, past. You know, we did um, the Why Not Talk About This uh big uh what was it called um a giant uh, size 25 giant size 25 and then that other one yeah. uh so it's great that's to talk what to this uh, whole network's named after because it's pretty much the old why not talk about this crew so yeah i really like that it's uh named after that because it really brings it back like that and i do like that name i almost named this podcast why not talk about horror and i just completely you know took the easy route <laughs> So, so uh, today we we're going to be uh, today we're going to be talking about our top five favorite horror movies, going from our uh, number five to number one. And um, if you don't mind, if you could like to kick it off, man, I will definitely kick it off. Um, now I, I do want to give like some clarification on my list, if that's all right, before we get going. Yeah, definitely. I do not think these are the top five greatest horror movies. I oh am, no, I agree. Yeah, like like how Citizen Kane is considered to be the greatest movie of all time. It's not my favorite movie by any stretch of the imagination. Just like these are not what I consider to be the creme de la creme of horror movies. No, these are what tickles my fancy bone. Like, I like this stuff. These are the ones with rewatchability, the ones that I love the most, the ones that are most quotable. Some of them just have really great deaths in them, and yeah. that's just what makes them memorable. I'm glad you mentioned really great deaths, Brett, because my number five <laughs> is a movie that no joke for almost as long as I've known you, we argue about almost weekly. And that okay. is Friday the 13th, part eight, Jason takes Manhattan. He, there is no way crystal Lake connects to the ocean. <laughs> Listen, you're probably right. I am willing to forgive that for the rest of this movie. I, I don't know. Like, dude, I, I, cause to me, slasher movies are best when there's a little bit of camp in them like i completely agree yeah there's let's be honest like an unstoppable person usually without a gun well always without a gun like using some sort of blade or impaling object or just strangling people who can't be stopped by a full military pretty much 
Yeah, you gotta suspend your belief a little bit there. What am I saying that right? Suspend disbelief. That's it. And, yeah, disbelief. And the honestly, right now I'm looking at a signed picture from Kane, Kane Hodder, and you know which movie I picked is him swinging oh, up onto the boat. I mean, that is a really cool shot. I have to give Part Eight a few kudos because it is the one that i complain about the most but there are a few cool shots in it like that's a cool shot i like jason in times square i like yes but for the, for the most brief of time he's jason there. on a boat <laughs> no i will give you this it is not appropriately named the, the yeah. he doesn't take manhattan he visits no, jason takes vancouver is what it is yeah. uh, <laughs> J- jason is a tourist uh, well, i'll go with that um yeah i did like let me say some of the things I like. And then, yeah, I will rip this apart a little bit like I can with any of my picks. I loved the him punching the boxer guy's head off. Oh, that's an amazing scene. That's what, when I said, speaking of cool deaths, that's the one, one of my favorite Friday kills of all time. Other ones, probably Jason X, Carbonite, uh, not Carbonite, that's Star Wars, but that freezing <laughs> stuff to the head smash. I love that. That is actually my favorite, um, kill in any Friday the 13th movie. Okay, good. Is that Jason head smash and Jason X. It's just, I remember seeing that in theaters. I saw Jason X uh, was the very first R-rated movie I ever saw. And... A good pick. And, like, I don't know, man. Something about Jason leaving Crystal Lake, a lot of people hate, but I'm like, what else can we do in this camp? We need to take him out. It's amazing that they got by with making the same movie almost seven times in a row. Yeah. But it's a great formula, and it really works. <laughs> oh, it does, and I'm not denying that, because Friday may be my favorite horror franchise. I don't know. It's up there. But, so, you had to take Jason out of Crystal Lake. Yes, I know it does not connect to the ocean, but what better way to get him out of there? You know what I mean? Through a boat that's going on a cruise. It makes sense. Um, this one has some of my most hated victims. I, I despise most of these teenagers, so I'm okay to see most of them get hacked up. Um, yeah, there's only a couple good ones. Like the, um, the girl with the uh, flying V guitar is pretty cool, but she's killed almost right away. (laughs) Is she first kill of the main group? Uh, of the main group? Yeah. Because she is killed on the boat. I know there's the couple that's killed on the yacht in Crystal Lake. Yeah, and, and then he magically them. the yacht gets to the ocean somehow. What did you tell me the other day that he is not that good of a, what was the term you used, boat pilot? He's not that good of a boat pilot. <laughs> I believe Crystal the term Lake, is captain. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I'm not a boatman. <laughs> um, yeah, there's no way... It makes it 80 miles. I'm sorry. I'm going to die on this hill. I won't shut up about the ocean crystal lake <laughs> thing ever. I'll be 80 years old. Liz has to be tired of hearing this. <laughs> oh, I never thought of that. Your poor wife has to hear about this oh, all the constantly. time. constantly. Because I love to watch it, too. Guess what I'm watching right now on VHS? What are you watching? My original copy of Friday the 13th Part 8, because I knew you were going to bring it up. <laughs> I will say... Full disclosure to the listeners, we did not reveal our list to each other, because it's more fun that way, but I did tell them this was on there, and I blurred out the rest, and I said, just so you know, this is coming. This is the one movie that we know of each other's lists, and I already knew it was going to be on your list, so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's another part that I don't know if I love it or hate it. I flip-flop on it, and I'd like to get your take on it. Okay. Where Jason's in the city, and he gets, like, washed out in the sewer and, like, reverts to child Jason. Oh. Part of me really likes that because it gets into the psychology of the character, if you can say that about Jason. But then part of me is like, that's fucking weird. Oh, can I swear on your show? Oh, of course. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I should have checked that first. But um, there, yes. the word throbbing is in my title. That's true. That should have been a dead <laughs> giveaway right there. Uh, well, what do you think about that scene? I mean, it's not the worst Friday ending. I would give the worst Friday, the 13th ending to part seven, where like half kind of muddy dad like he fell in a mud puddle drags jason into the lake that's the worst one part eight is pretty interesting i like the makeup effects of him getting hit with the toxic sludge and the sewer i mean it's kind of weird that the new york city sewers fill with toxic toxic sludge at midnight exactly hey man it was the 80s but, early 90s there was no environmental control going on 
I mean, that made the Toxic Avenger too, so we really can't complain. Exactly. <laughs> but um, I mean, the makeup effects are really cool when his face is like disintegrating and he's jumping up. But when he reverts back to the kid, it always just kind of confuses me. Because is he really a kid? Is that just what she's imagining? Because uh, she imagines him throughout the movie all the time as a kid, so you don't know if it's real or fake. But yeah, exactly. Because really but Jason isn't a normal human let's be honest he's supernatural right so i don't know if that's in the realm of possibilities of jason and the ending to friday the 13th movies have always been dreamlike so it kind of goes in that same kind of vein i would say yeah well that's my number five anything else okay. you want to add on it um it's the worst of the entire <laughs> series that's it you're the worst um, <laughs> I, I like i said and to my point earlier, I am not under the impression that this is the best Friday the 13th movie, even. This is the one, though, that I have rewatched the most. This is my favorite. I am not under the impression that it is the best. And it's still a Friday the 13th movie, so I still have to love it because it's my favorite horror series. <laughs> exactly. It's like when you get bad pizza. It's still pizza. Exactly. All right, well, uh, moving on to my uh, number five is Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Oh, we both went Friday for our number five. Yeah, my number five flip-flopped a few times. Um, I want to also just real quick mention Plan 9 from Outer Space and Psycho, which were also my number fives at one point. Oh, but, yeah, I, I had some real uh, honorable mentions if we're doing that real quick. Yeah, go um, ahead. The 2018 Halloween came very close to me. Yeah. De Devil's Rejects also came close. And That's great. Saw 2. Saw 2? <laughs> yes. I like the first Saw. Saw 2, I remember being pretty good. After that, I remember not liking them very much. If we're on that tangent real quick. The reason real I like quick, Saw yeah. 2 is because that's what most of the Saw franchise was. It was a group of people with all these elaborate traps. Saw 1 was great at the premise, but it was two people with one trap. And 2 is really where I thought we got that Saw flavor where the rest of the franchise really picked up. Similar to Friday the 13th, part 1 to 2. That's very true. That's, uh, yeah, that's a great comparison, actually, man. Oh, well, thank you. I know some of this stuff. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, I mean, part six, I started watching the Friday the 13th series when I think I was, like, about eight years old. And part six always resonated me with me because it has that bit of a rock and roll style to it. Like, Alice Cooper does a couple songs for it, which I always loved Alice Cooper. Oh, Cooper's great. Oh, yeah. I got to meet him one time, and he was very nice. Yeah, that, that always makes me so mad, because that con in Pittsburgh, I go to almost every time. It happens a few times throughout the year. That was one of the very few I didn't get to go to. I miss meeting Alice Cooper. Yeah, I was wondering how he was going to be, like, because, I mean, he's so huge. And I got an autograph from myself and also from my dad. Yeah. And he looked at me when I said it was for my dad. He's like, yeah, family is very important. You make sure to hold on to him. And I was like, I, I will, man. Thank you. <laughs> oh, wholesome Alice Cooper. Yeah, he was. It was really cool. But, um, yeah, I mean, and, and, uh, but back to, um, Friday six, uh, CJ Graham is Jason. Um, he's really great. He was, uh, I, I believe an ex Marine going into this movie, like before this movie was made. Um, it makes sense. Look at the build of that guy. I'm not saying all Marines are Jack cause I know small Marines, large Marines, but it makes sense looking at him. You can definitely tell, too, with those scenes with Jason walking around, like, how he's strutting. Like, it's very, seems military-like. And it's the best ass on any Jason there's ever been. <laughs> there's <laughs> that one shot, I swear to God, he could be in commercials. <laughs> he, he does got some tight, whatever kind of pants he's wearing there. I usually believe he's typically wearing, what, cargo pants? Well, no, like, uh, there were pants that they, uh, part from part three, uh, and for some reason in part three, they have two scenes of people shitting and they don't wipe. I don't know why, but as soon as you notice it, you cannot unnotice it. You know what? You're right. Oh. And it's like, yeah, it's, uh, we'll get to that one day. But, um, yeah, part six, I always loved uh, Tommy Jarvis is back in the Tommy Dar uh, Jarvis trilogy from part four, five, and six. Um, the guy who played Tommy Jarvis is actually the same guy that played, uh, was in, um, Return of the Living Dead, which is one of my favorite zombie movies. Yeah, Tommy Jarvis is cool, because he's really like a, wow, how am I blanking on the name right now? Uh, Laurie Strode. Yeah. 
where he's not the killer, but also a, a star in his own right of the franchise. Yeah, he's like, oh, my, he's the best um, person to stand up to Jason, I would say, in the entire franchise, including Carrie Ripoff on Part 7. <laughs> oh, I'd say for sure, because who, who else holds a candle? Like, and, yeah, he has no powers. people like, get killed, killed and they're... <laughs> What's that? He has no powers, and he, like, kills him as a child. Like, Corey Feldman yeah. kills him. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, what do you think about it? Most of the characters who aren't Jason are there for one movie and maybe the beginning of the next, if you're lucky. I was going to say, yeah, I think, um... Oh, what's her name? Andrea King is the actress's name. I can't think of the character's name at the moment, but she's one of the only other ones to carry over, but she's killed at the very beginning of part two. Exactly. That's usually how it goes in typically any slasher movie. It's either no returns or a real quick return. Yeah, which I always, uh, just to go on a small tangent again. Um, no, dude, tangents always, make this show. I always love them. Yeah. <laughs> I always found that as a bit of a pet peeve where the first horror movie, you're following this group of people so much and they whittle them down to one like girl or one boy and they survive and you're like with them the entire movie. The very beginning of the very next movie, they're dead. Like, Can I tell you my biggest really offender for that? <laughs> Can I tell you my biggest offender of that sin? Yeah, what's that? The Hills of Eyes. Okay. Uh, the modern versions, but the second one, the you, the original Survivor is there for like 10 seconds. Yeah, and it's like, if you're going to do that, why even have them in the movie at all, you know? Exactly. Uh, was that all you got on part six for, part, for pick five? I mean, I always found it just to be a really fun movie. I loved it since the very, since I was little. My I still have my original VHS tape and that thing is worn completely out. I mean, I like the very beginning. Jason comes back as like Frankenstein style. I thought that was really cool. Um, well, and like then, the, uh, let's say like five to five to eight, and then X are really like my Jason. Like that's where he really gets into the groove that I really like. It now I've watched all of them. I like all of them, but that's like where you get the murder machine hulking Jason to me. Yeah, I would definitely, yeah, I would agree. Like, I would say that's, I would say the classic Jason, when I think of him, starts in part three. Like, just that look of him, he's just, he's in, he's finally in his green shirt, and he's in his pants, and he has his hockey mask that he killed, that he got from the curly head kid that's really annoying. <laughs> Yeah, can we can we settle this debate once and for all? Yeah, uh, corn bag or whatever, or hockey mask. I mean, the I I like the bag a lot. Um, it's a uh, it's kind of a it's a nice way of saying ripoff, I guess, but homage to the town that dreaded sundown, which is a really great horror movie from the seventies. Where I've never seen it. Yeah, that movie is actually based on a real killer that took that was a. Uh, real killer that was in um Texarkana and I believe the 50s but he uh, he also wore a bag over his head so that's kind of where that part 2 came from well that shit's terrifying knowing that was real oh yeah it's a it's a really good movie i highly recommend it um what was it called again uh the town that dreaded sundown there's also a not a remake but kind of a semi sequel that uh they did in i believe 2018 um where it's almost a follow-up of these people love the movie so much they tried to make it real. But I might do an episode about that one day as well. No, that um, sounds cool. I'll have to check that out. That sounds like a good movie. Yeah, but I just... That's all I have really on probably the 13th Part 6. It's just... I believe it's just... As far as slashers go, it's almost a perfect slasher. Oh, I'll give you 100%. You're right. Um, My number four is... You know how there's those horror movies that terrify you as a kid, but aren't the scariest looking back on it? Yeah. That's my number four, and it's Critters. Okay. Do you want to know what scene in particular? Yes. When it's hiding under the car and shoots its quills at the, I think it's the cop's leg. Okay. Because when I was a kid and my mom would go grocery shopping and we'd get back and it was dark, we'd take the first round and she'd send me back out for the rest. 
and it was dark, and I was terrified there was a critter hiding under the car and was going to get me. Oh, yeah, because it's nighttime out. Yeah, that's, yeah, you're, you're thinking there's a critter hiding under the car. I could see that. Yeah, but no, Critters is a really fun movie. Oh, yeah, and I, I love the whole franchise, even the recent ones, Critters Attack and everything. It's, it's not scary as an adult, but I still love it. It's surprisingly gory for a puppet character, and something about it I've always liked, because I'm a big sci-fi guy, too. Like, I'm huge into sci-fi, so if you can blend sci-fi and horror and a little bit of camp to me, chef's kiss, it's perfect. Oh, yeah, completely. The I would rank the Critters along with um the Gremlins, but I would rank the Critters actually a little bit more scarier than the Gremlins. Oh, I yeah, for sure. Especially uh, going into Critters 2 when they become the Critter Ball and they can just, like, skin people immediately. <laughs> exactly. And Gremlins was more of adventure horror, I, I'd qualify as, because that's, that's Spielberg influence to it. Oh, completely. And where Critters was still puppet and campy and fun, but they were gory when they would kill people and would fuck people up. And, uh, no, Critters wasn't, um, I'm thinking of Gremlins when I'm thinking of it being a Christmas movie, right? Critters wasn't around Christmas. The original, no. I'm not sure if there was another one that was. I'm trying to think. Okay. But no, um, Gremlins is around Christmas. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah, that entire series is a, I really enjoy it. I remember, um, I ended up getting the actual whole box set from FYE right before the, uh, whole, um, virus hit. <laughs> So yeah. I ended up watching all of them, and yeah, they are really fun to watch. Did you end up seeing uh, Critters Attack, the newest one? I haven't seen that one yet. Um, I did have it in my cart one time, but I didn't want to pay $20 for Critters Attack. <laughs> yeah, that's it, that's rough, but man, I tell you, it was a fun watch. I definitely enjoyed watching it. I definitely do want to check it out at some point. Did you ever see the, um? I forget what it's called, but Shudder did a Critters TV show. No, and you know what? I'm so mad I haven't seen it. Is it still on there? Like, does their library keep that stuff? I actually just searched for it, and it looks like they took it off, which I don't blame them, because you don't want to watch it. Like, Oh, I do. A critter, Even if it's awful, I do. Oh, no, a critter, like, has sex with this guy's mom, and he's half critter, half human. Oh, it's... Man, I know you're trying to dissuade me, but you have my attention. Yeah, but it's not done well. <laughs> when it's done well or whatever, it's really good, but it's almost like they're going for that Sharknado, like... Oh, okay. They, they realized how cheesy it was and ran too far with it. Yeah. Oh, damn it. But anyway, still, all that said, the original was amazing, and I love Critters, the whole franchise, but the original in particular. I agree. That's a great... That's a really good one. Well, what do you got for your number four, Brett? Uh, number four for me is The Shining. Oh, good pick. And I'm real mad that I didn't consider that for mine, but very good pick. It's one of the most rewatchable movies I could ever think of. Like, I could watch it back to back to back and not have an issue. Like, there's only a couple movies I could do that with. It's like Clerks or The Shining or like Pulp Fiction, you know, where like yeah. it. there's just so much going on and it's just so entertaining. You know. Yeah, and three very smart movies, too. Like, smartly written. Yeah. So, all of it makes sense. Um, The Shining also, if I'm correct, seems to be one of the most referenced horror movies. Oh, yeah, like, I uh, have you seen Ready Player One? I did. I love that entire Shining sequence. It's, like, so great, you know? Yeah. Um, the... What else is there? But just, like... American Horror Story Hotel, that season was pretty much the Shining season. Okay, I haven't seen that show. Yeah, that wasn't bad. I mean, it's American Horror Story, so you kind of get the flavor of it. But, yeah, it was pretty Shining-influenced. Like, But the Come Play With Us thing, you know, has been done in everything. The, just that floor pattern you see everywhere. Like, the, the Shining has really been referenced throughout pop culture a lot. Oh yeah, I know. Even uh, just one that popped in my, into my mind is um, shut uh, Dimension Shutter again. Um, they're doing a new Creep Show series, 
And there's yeah. the uh, dollhouse in the very first episode has the shutter carpet, uh, uh, sorry, the shining carpet in it. Yeah, that's, um, even the Mountain Dew commercials of Brian Cranston, have you been seeing those? Oh yeah, that's so good, I love that so much. Yeah, th those are great. Um, what, what drew you to The Shining so much? Because don't, like, in zero offense, because I know how great this movie is, I like it a lot too, but didn't crack my top five, and I said I was mad I didn't consider it, but I still don't think it would have made it, so what, what draws you to it? I mean, it's... I love the very, very simple movies. I mean, there's a very limited cast in this whole movie, but you don't really notice it, really, because the people that are in it are great. Like, I believe it's one of Jack Nicholson's best performances, like, especially oh, that scene of him going up the stairs talking to Wendy. Like, I every, every time I see it, I almost get to the edge of my seat. I'm like, yeah, this is my favorite scene, you know? <laughs> yeah, he he looks possessed and mad like he really has lost his shit oh yeah and that is the one criticism which i can see with the movie of and i've read the book and the book's great but jack starts out normal and then goes crazy jack nicholson in the shining uh movie uh stanley kubrick just completely is uh, from the very beginning is crazy like that scene where they're driving up to the uh hotel and they're talking about cannibalism and whatnot with their son, and his eyes are just giant and, like, huge. I was like, I don't want this man driving me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably just Jack Nicholson, if we're being honest. I mean, you're very correct. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, Shelley Duvall is really great in it. I mean, I've seen some, like, interviews and whatnot with her where, like, it really seemed to take a toll on her, but she gives a great performance in it. Um. Even the kid, uh, what's his name, um, Danny Lloyd uh, of Danny Torrance is pretty great, and a kid actor is pretty hard to enjoy, if you get what I mean. I mean, if they're done right and it's a great actor or actress, it's great. Excuse me, Hereditary. I mean, that's why I said Hereditary's great. That's another one that's great. But there's so many movies that can be, like uh, the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds. Oh, no, yeah. Ah, the entire movie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got anything else on Shining, or you want me to go number three? No, go ahead. Uh, my number three is also the most recent movie on my list. Um, and it's Jordan Peele, who I cannot believe still that I'm saying has just come out as one of the craziest psychological horror directors and if you would have told me that 10 years ago i would have laughed in your face oh i agree i would yeah. never have seen that coming <laughs> yeah it's us that movie was great oh really okay i have not seen us yet oh um well i won't spoil anything for you because i do think you should watch it but um it was a follow-up to get out but it wasn't a sequel but same themes kind of throughout it yeah but I watched in the theater with my friend, and the only way I can describe it is my chest was pounding because the suspense they built was just amazing. It wasn't the jump scares or anything like that. It was just terrifying and, oh my god, what's happening? And anyone who can pull that off today without the jump scares and the creaks and the shutting the mirror and the face right there... My hat's off to you, because it's, it's a lost art form to still be able to pull that off, and he did it. I agree. Like, Jordan Peele and Ari Aster, who uh, Ari Aster did um, Hereditary and Midsommar. Um, oh, yeah. Another great example. Great. But uh, I saw Get Out. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you with watching a movie. Have you ever been watching a movie, and you have a few too many drinks, and you re don't really remember the movie, but you remember it being good? Oh, yeah. Often. I that I kind of have that with Get Out, which I remember it being really good, and I remember enjoying it, but I can't really remember much about it. <laughs> Can I say my theory here real quick, just so it's on record somewhere for when it comes true, because I think I'm on to something. Yeah, what's that? The next Jordan Peele movie will have something to do with rabbits. My reasoning is in Get Out, if you remember the song playing at the beginning of the movie, was like, run, rabbit, run. And then in Us, like, the bad people, that's all I'll say so I don't spoil it, mm -hmm. eat rabbit meat and, like, rabbits and stuff like that. And I'm like, 
that's a weird theme to pop up in your church first two movies so i'm betting anything like there's gonna be some connected thing with rabbits throughout it oh that'd be interesting like almost like a yes. rabbit like worshiping cult maybe or something like that yes. would be pretty cool i mean that has nothing to do with this but i did want that on record somewhere so i can point back to this episode when it comes true and say i told you and then you can get your name in the credits <laughs> exactly uh what do you have for your number three all right number three is uh halloween uh, the original Halloween. Um, Excellent pick. Excellent pick. I watched this movie way too much. This is probably one of my most watched movies, right beside Clerks, to bring it up again. Um, I mean, John Carpenter coming out with a... Uh, he had done Assault on Precinct 13, I believe, before this. Any of these facts, I'm just trying... I'm just pulling from the top of my head, so if I'm wrong, forgive me. But, uh, there's someone I can trust with horror facts, though. It is you, so. Thank you. <laughs> that makes me feel nice. <laughs> oh, no problem. But um, um, why don't you tell the listeners about your tattoo real quick? Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. This is uh, about two years ago. I was sitting up, up in my room watching Halloween, and I know that I was I was waiting for the new Halloween from 2018 to come out, and I was so excited for it. And I saw one of the, um, you know, the crew chairs that everyone sets in, like the, those folding chairs? Yeah. They had a uh, certain design of a pumpkin on the back of those chairs, and I saw a picture of it, and I'm like, that's a cool tattoo. And I was about four beers in, and I was like, I should go get that tattooed immediately. <laughs> so I went down to a, a local tattoo shop here where I live and got it done immediately. And I absolutely love it. It's actually one of my favorite tattoos I have. I do like that. That one rules. Yeah. But, um, um well, what can you say about Halloween? Honestly, it invented the slasher genre pretty much invented. Like I can't say, but like really revolutionized the drive-in horror movie, like that you watch every Halloween, no pun intended, but it's, it's amazing. Oh yeah, it's definitely one of those, um, I mean, it was one of the, it's one of the most, um, well-doing, uh, independent movies ever, um, I know, like, if a lot of people compare it to, uh, Black Christmas from 1974, which I can see some similarities with it, with, like, some of the camera angles, and, like, how a lot of the, um, camera shots or point of view cameras from the killers, you know, point of view from a technical standpoint. Yeah, it's similar, but as far as impact and just movie in general, there's no comparison. And just how simple the story is. It's because the very first Halloween, Lori is not Michael's sister. They came up with John Carpenter came up with that, uh, for part two, because he had no other ideas. He's like, uh, they're brother and sister. That's the only reason I can think of that he would care to keep going after her kind of thing. And what a great twist that was, though. Yeah, that was like a game. That's a Luke. I am your father twist. It, yeah, it really is. I remember the very first um copy of Halloween I have is actually the TV version, which edits in extra clips to make it that uh, Lori is Michael's sister in the very first movie. It's, so it's not yeah. the original version. So I grew up thinking that was the original version of Halloween, but it was like a TV edit that they did after Halloween Part 2 to make Halloween Part 2 make more sense. Yeah, I, I'm never a fan of that. Yeah, The, the re-edit. Well, so, I can't say never. Sometimes I am, but... If you have a masterpiece, leave it alone. Yeah, I completely agree. And especially with something with Halloween, it's just so simple. It's crazy man escapes the mental institution. His doctor's after him. It's crazy man just ends up stumbling across a couple of teenagers, and it happens to be Halloween. Who's Perfect. Who's that guy who plays Loomis? Um, Donald Pleasance. He is amazing. Yeah, hats off to that guy. His performance in those movies really... Because let's be honest, it is, it does feel dated sometimes when I watch it, because just how acting was back then, yeah. especially in lower budget movies. But he is like, he brings it out of that. And the fact that he stuck with the series until part six, and like, I believe part six was released in 95, where 
Michael is all of a sudden in a cult, and that's the whole thing, and Donald Pleasance is still in it. <laughs> and I think he yeah. was in his 80s then. Did he die after that, or did he retire from the franchise? Oh. I mean, I know he's dead now, but like at the time, what made him stop? Did he die, or did he stop doing it? Yeah, he died. Um, At the very okay. end of Halloween Part 6, it has him going back into the hospital to, I guess, face Michael again. And it depends on if you watch the director's cut or the producer's cut. That's another episode. But, um, because there's two very, two different movies. But, um, and then at the very end of part six, it's, uh, in memory of Donald Pleasance. I don't know if he died during filming or if it was after filming, but. Yeah, just before release. It was right around when the movie was being filmed. Um, I remember I'm obviously too young to have seen Halloween in theaters, the original, but I did go see, obviously, Halloween 2018. I went with you, but I saw the Rob Zombie versions at the drive-in. And I have very mixed thoughts on them. Did you see part one and two, or? I've seen both at the the drive-in, but not not like a double feature. Okay. Part one, I think, is a solid remake. It doesn't hold up, but I'm like, okay. Two goes batshit off the walls. Yeah, I enjoy part one for what it is. I mean, I enjoy my Michael Myers without a backstory and without motivation, but Rob Zombie wanted to give him motivation to make him a serial killer, which I guess he is anyway, but he became more of a Dahmer-esque, I would guess, serial killer where he has motivations and not... He's just crazy. Where yeah, um, it took it as like an alternate reality Halloween, like oh, this is what it's like if, and it's the hyper realistic Rob Zombie world that he kind of lives in with his movies, which I enjoy Rob Zombie's movies a lot. Other than I do too. Uh, part Did you see Halloween from Hell and I didn't like Thirty One. I didn't mind Thirty One. I got to the uh, little person. Um, Nazi, and I was like, eh. <laughs> I just kind of sighed. I wasn't excited, and you should be when you see that. And I was like, okay, I'm the. This movie isn't for me. <laughs> yeah, when you had the girl who plays Tommy Pickles doing the Tommy Pickles voice trying to kill people, it did get a little weird. Does that happen in that movie? Yes. Oh, I gotta watch it again. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm happy to sponsor uh, future episodes. And I own it on DVD. Like, I bought it on DVD sight unseen, and I'm so disappointed in it. (laughs) You know what's weird? Horror is the one genre I do that for quite a bit. Oh, yeah. I will just like a cover and be like, that looked amazing. I definitely need to see that, and it's a terrible movie. (laughs) Yeah. So, shall we move on? Yeah, what's, uh, what's your next one? My number two, and this, I I had a tough time with my number two, Brett, not because of where to place it, but because I didn't know if I could truly consider it a horror movie, so I apologize if we can't, but I thought it fit close enough in that realm that there's no way I couldn't include it, and that's Predator. Okay, I could see where Predator, if Predator's a horror movie, I would say Alien's a horror movie, and I would consider Alien a horror movie. It's just a yeah, new take too. on and it. So I would accept that as a horror movie. <laughs> like I said, the, the controversy around that is not lost on me to consider it a horror movie because I struggled with whether I would count it or not. But the more I watched it, I'm like, well, there are horror movies where it's like soldiers being picked off by everything. And just because it's an alien, I'm like, well, Plan Nine's a horror movie. So I'm, I, I was going through a lot trying to justify whether to put it on or not put it on. And... Everything I did go lean towards, yeah, I said, okay. Yeah, there's some great gore in that movie. There's some really great kills. I would classify it as action horror. So if I accept action horror, I would say comedy horror also counts. Anything in horror would count. So yeah, that's definitely, that's an interesting pick. Um, I, I love Predator. It's one of my favorite things. Like, it's an up there franchise for me. And, like, ripping the spines and skulls out and displaying them and everything. It's, like, true jungle horror, like, just, you're being hunted by this thing that you cannot stop. And I love the movie. Now, later entries in the Predator franchise, I cannot classify as horror. 
but the first one, maybe first two, I can. I was going to say, uh, speaking of the uh, sequels, did you see the last one with, uh, it's, um, what's the other guy? It's Key and Peele, uh, and, um, I forget which one does horror movies and which one is the other one. Jordan Peele directs, um... Okay, so, uh, Key yeah, Key was, was in it, yeah. Th that one, I actually, a lot of people shit on it. I find it pretty, actual, interesting, you know? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, there's some problems in it that, if we ever want, we can get into. But, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, uh, I like Tom... Anytime I see Thomas Jane pop up in something, I'm into. So it was nice seeing the, the old Punisher back again. Um, but yeah, like... Something about Predator and Arnold Schwarzenegger being the giant jacked action star that he is, being completely unmatched by something, really is scary. Oh yeah, that was him in his prime as well. That's right around Terminator and all that, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's it is a really it's a classic for uh, Arnold movie. Like, there's so many great oh, sure. lines from it. Is that uh the "Do it now" line is from that one, right? Yep, and the meme of the two muscular arms grabbing is from that. Oh, is is it? I didn't know that. I've seen that one. Yep, that's Yep, that's from Predator. Um if it bleeds we can kill it. You are one ugly motherfucker. There's so many good lines yeah. in it. But I would say the Predator is kinda I mean, he kinda takes the easy way out in that the end of that movie completely, I would say. Well he's dying anyway, I would Yeah, that's say. true. Like, I mean, like he it, really. I'm going to die either way, so I'm taking everything out with me. And it's probably one of the first times he's met anything near his equal with Arnold. Very true. Yeah, but I would agree. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting pick. I like that one. And yeah, like I said, and like some of the other things that led me to classifying it as it, the voice mimic thing, as much as it's used like as a hunting thing, is terrifying. I don't like, remember especially that. So he uh, does the predator mimic people that he's killed, or yeah, he can mimic their voice and everything. Oh, that's cool. And in Predator Two, it especially comes in like he sees this kid and he starts going, "You want some candy?" And it's terrifying. I'm like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> like that would scare me. You walk around, see this big tooth-looking thing. I was gonna say, I think they brought that uh, the voice mimicking thing back in the new It movies as well. So that really is yeah. a like one of those um what you want to call it, things that keeps popping up in horror movies over and over again. But yeah, that is really yeah, it's creepy. Trope, but it's not that. necessarily a negative trope. Um, what's your number two, bro? Uh, number two, uh, I flip-flop between the first movie and the second movie in this series. Which one I like more? I think your number two is my number one, I think. So go ahead. The Evil Dead? Yes, yep. it is. <laughs> when you said you flip-flop between one and two, I'm like, oh, he's doing Evil Dead right now. Uh, it depends on which one I watched last is the one that I like yeah. the most. And the last time I watched it was the first one. So my number two is the first one, <laughs> but, um, I mean, Sam Ray coming was... right out the gate with such an amazing, gory horror movie with no budget whatsoever. Like something I love about movies and sometimes why, and the reason why this is in my top five favorite horror movies, it's not the best made movie. It's not the best written movie, but there's a lot of heart, put into this movie oh for sure it really captures that spirit of the low budget horror movie which is a staple in the genre oh completely and i mean this is one of the like wonder stories of the independent movies of like it was made on a nothing budget and it's made so much money and spawned three uh, well four movie sequels um a tv series with three seasons i mean it's referenced in pop culture all over the place. And it's from this little horror movie made in 1989, uh, 1981, you know? Oh, and let's not forget like the stir that that movie made. Like it was kind of the poster boy for bad taste, like in the, what the youth is into now I mean, and that kind of, I stuff. mean, a tree rapes a woman in this movie. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like what eighties, right? Yeah. 81. Yeah, so, like, at the time, think of that. You're just coming out of the 70s. Like, it was really cutting edge, pushing that envelope as far as what it got away with. And they really seem to have... It, it's, it seems another one of those movies that suffers from... They have bigger ideas than what their budget can afford. 
because the stop motion oh, at the very end does kind of get a little harsh at times, but that's also part of why I love it so much is because they're like, well, oh. we want people melting. We're going to do it any way we can. If it has to be with bad stop motion that you can see all the seams and whatnot with, you'll get the idea, you know, and that's something I love about it. Yeah, Sam Raimi's a genius, if you ask me. I think what he pulled off in that, like, and the ways he did it, especially, are pure genius in the making. Like, the creamed corn being pushed through, what was it, a sock or something? Yeah, that creamed corn, yeah. And I, and it looks exactly like creamed corn, but every time I see that coming out of that sleeve, I'm just, like, disgusted. <laughs> yeah, because it, it just looks disturbing, and I never knew it was creamed corn at the beginning, and once someone told me, I couldn't unsee it, but... Yeah, um, I lean towards Evil Dead 2 over 1. I guess we'll discuss my number 1 with your number 2 since it's basically yeah. the same thing. Um, I lean towards number 2 just for the whole Ash continuity a little more. Yeah, Ash really becomes it's in with the more Ash story. Yes. I completely agree, yeah. Which... Yeah, how are we talking about Evil Dead this long? We barely brought up Ash yet. Yeah, no, that's true. Like, Bruce Campbell as Ash, one of the few good guys in horror that's the main character. Exactly. And the fact that... And he's just so badass. Oh, he's, like, perfectly badass. Like, the first one, okay, he's kind of wimpy at the very beginning. He comes into his own more as the movie goes on, especially when he's kind of on his own after everyone else is dead. But part two goes just completely bonkers. <laughs> Oh, yeah. See, that's why I think I like part two, because it's, okay, the gloves are off. Here we go. And I like, too, like, with part two, where, like, it was something with the rights with part one. Another company owned it, so they almost had to remake part one in the very beginning of part two really quickly, which they also had yeah. to then to do again with Army of Darkness, which is Medieval Dead part three. <laughs> yeah. But that was Man, why didn't they go with that title? That makes so much sense. That's the title Sam Raimi wanted was Medieval Dead, but it was something about, I believe it was a studio saying they didn't want it to be that. Man, I like that. That was the first one I saw out of this trilogy was Army of Darkness. It was, because, like, that was, that honestly seems to be the one that had the more references. You know, this is my boomstick and everything. Oh, yeah, within the first 15 minutes, like, most of the Evil Dead, what you think of when you think of the trilogy is in our uh, army of darkness. Yeah. Like using the belt is like the Indiana Jones whip and everything. And with, if you think of it, cause I love this in movies, like how uh, Friday the 13th, two, three and four all take place during a long weekend. How uh, yeah. evil dead one, two and three take place over basically two nights. So night one, he's kind of wimpy and whatnot by the end of night three, he's like, in medieval times, he has a chainsaw hand, like, he's killing deadites and skeletons, and he's whipping around with a belt and stuff. Like, he learned this stuff super quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, and not to get on a tangent about all the, all the series, but we've done it for everything else. Um, Ash versus Evil Dead, to me, was a vision completed. Now, granted, it didn't get completely completed, but, man, you want to talk about, well, we have all this build-up for this guy through these three movies. Let's just cut him loose. That I loved that show. That was that's one of my favorite shows I've ever seen. That show is I completely agree. I love it so much. I remember a few years ago when the very first episode came out. It was like right before Halloween. Like they set this thing up perfectly. It came out right before Halloween, the very first episode. It's I couldn't think of anything more perfect. Sam Raimi uh directed it. I think he wrote it as well. So he was back, Bruce is back. Um you know, the whole time he's kind of struggling with, like, oh, should I, shouldn't I? Like, the kind of thing the Marvel movies usually kind of do. And yeah, at the very end, like, the last, like, I would say, like, ten minutes, they fit all of everything that's Evil Dead in there. Like, he does the chainsaw, like, he gets the chainsaw hand, he shoots someone with the double barrel. Uh, he says all the lines, like, at the very end, I remember watching it, and... uh the one character asked him like how's it feel to be back and he says groovy and i was sitting there being like yep. he said groovy and i'm jumping up and down like i'm in my mid-20s and i'm jumping up and down in my parents bar room going like yay ash said the word i like like 
but I could. I, I watched it at your house for the first time. I don't. I wasn't there that first time you watched it. But I didn't have stars at the time, and so I came over and you're like, "Do you want to watch it?" And I'm like, "Yes." So we watched it in the bar room. And I was super stoked. Oh, that first episode is so amazing. And then, real quick, to jump to the very last episode, um, where Ash. I mean, spoilers. Uh, Ash kind of wakes up in the future and is post-apocalyptic. Yeah. And then it ends where he's driving off into the sunset in his new uh, battle um, battle car. I forget what the car that he drives all the time, but it's that same car through the entire series. And it's like... Yeah. I'm not a car guy. No, it's a... I'm going to kill myself for not knowing this. because Rob is screaming right now because he, he knows. I don't know cars, but I know movie cars. <laughs> but um, yeah. I know what a DeLorean is. At the very end where that was like, I was so upset. I remember when I saw that last episode because I knew there was, wasn't going to be any more. But it kind of goes out on that same thread that Sam Raimi wanted to go out in with uh, the original Army of Darkness ending where Ash takes too much of the sleep potion and sleeps way too far into the future and it's post-apocalyptic. So I've kind of come to terms with it in my head of it's almost great that there's no final story to Ash. I like to believe he's still out there, you know? (laughs) I'm with you, but I'm also selfish, and I wanted to see that because seeing him like with that car, the cyborg girl getting ready to go out, like, drive through the desert, gunning down, like, future deadites. I'm like, oh, please. Oh, I would give almost anything to see one more season or one more movie take place after that. Which I know there, there's yeah. been rumors online of Sam Raimi trying to beg Bruce Campbell to come back one more time because Bruce Campbell swears he's done with Ash, but he Dude, said that back before. Back to bring the money truck up to his yard. Bring him oh, back. I will give him so much money. I will give you so much money, Bruce Campbell. Please come back. We love Ash so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, Evil Dead 2 was my number one. So what was your number one? Uh, my number one is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Which oh, is actually my pick. second favorite movie ever. Which is right behind Clerks. Very good So I don't, I don't really know. I mean... Texas Chainsaw, it's one of the very first slashers. It was the first big drive-in movie. It was made by the mob. It was made by Toby Hooper in the desert with a shitty little video camera. It's insane, and it shows completely. One of the most brutal of the slashers, too. Oh, completely. Like, And Leatherface isn't even really my favorite character in the um, entire movie. I I mean, I, it's kind of between the cook and the hitchhiker who I like more. Like, Leatherface is great, but he's not even the best character in the movie. Well, there's not too much to Leatherface, to be honest. Yeah, that's very true. He's very manic. Um, he's a monster. I know Gunnar Hansen, who plays Leatherface in uh, the first... Texas Chainsaw. He actually then ended up coming back for Texas Chainsaw 3D, which I don't know if you saw that one. When did that come uh, out? 20, I'm guessing 2016. No, I think it was even before yes, that. But the one around then. Yeah, yeah it's the um, one where basically it's old Leatherface, but the same actor who played Leatherface in the first one, first one. It was one back. that had like two chains in it, right? With what? With two chains, the rapper in it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think that. Well, that's the, the most recent one. Okay. Yeah, yeah but the first um, Texas Chainsaw. What was the one that came out around like 2000 ish? Uh, well, they they remade it, and I believe 2003. Which actually, the Texas Chainsaw remake is one of the best remakes, I believe. That was my first introduction to the yeah. series because I was probably about 12 years old. There's some, uh, yeah, there's definitely some great scenes in that one as well. Do you remember the ending where it was like the found footage thing? That I that? love, where they like didn't do the sweep well enough and Leatherface comes out of like the darkness and they're like, this is the only known footage of Leatherface. Like, yeah, that's great. Now, as a kid at that impressionable young age, 
I thought it was real. Yeah. That did part. you see it? Like because I thought out? it was real found footage. Yes. Well, not in theater, but like right when it home video released. So one of my friends got it, and we all watched yeah. it when we shouldn't have. And that ending, we all assumed was real found footage. Like, and they made the movie about that guy, and we're like, oh my god, they put that in the movie. Like it was mind blowing. And now I'm like, oh. But still, for that little bit of time, that was wild to believe. And that should show how well done that was, that it could make someone think that. Yeah, and the, how they do that found footage type scene is really well, too. Like, I love how the film looks completely degraded. Like, a lot of times when they try to make it like, oh, this is from old time film. They just make it black and white. No, they, like, added a lot of graininess, and it really looked really dirty and just like it really did look real yeah now texas chainsaw more scary than leatherface to me or like his like minions pretty much like the family oh yeah like grandpa like my mother is so afraid of grandpa from the texas chainsaw massacre it's like anytime i want to i'll just look at her and like his grandpa's uh well it's um the hitchhikers talking to grandpa is like get her grandpa get her get her I'll sit there and I'll do that to mom and she'll be like, shut up. I don't want to hear it. I don't even want to think about that movie. Like it, it scared <laughs> her so much when she first saw it. That's yeah. one of the things that drew me to it was I remember my mom saying like, oh God, that movie is like terrible. It's so scary. I couldn't, I only watched it one time and it stuck with me this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Like they scare me more than Leatherface. Yeah. No joke. Like, cause <laughs> there are people like, that. oh yeah. Um, what else could I say about Texas Chainsaw that hasn't been said by anyone? Like, uh, oh, well, my little brother, Alex, who is 13 now, about to be 13, he saw this movie not too long ago. Okay. Um, he was probably 10 or 11. It was not by our choice that he saw this movie at 10 or 11. He was staying somewhere else. Now, I'm wondering if he was affected by it at all or not, because what the kids today are exposed to at a much younger age. I don't know if they would. I'm interested to hear what he thought of it. <laughs> well, rest assured, it still has the good. Same <laughs> oh, he, oh no, it's bad. Like he still won't go into the basement by oh, himself. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, and I blame it all on Texas Chainsaw because he used to be fine. <laughs> he used to be fine. Then he saw Texas Chainsaw. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Now he's starting to, but for the longest time, like, Tell him go get something out of the basement. He'd call the dog and like, I don't want to go down. Like, oh, Texas Chainsaw did a number on him. And uh, one of the very few movies that has a uh, person in a wheelchair get brutally killed. <laughs> oh, because yeah. uh, this I can think of this one, and then Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, which is one of my favorite kills from that series, where he goes, uh, he gets the axe to the head and he goes down the uh, steps in the wheelchair backwards. Like that's a that's a oh, really yeah. well shot scene, but oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Even though yeah. he Franklin, I he's also one of the worst horror movie characters ever. He's so annoying. You would put him up there with Shelley from Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. Of like, he's memorable, but when he dies, it's like, oh, good, thank God, he's not going to yell anymore. <laughs> My number one most annoying uh, horror character is from a horror, uh, comedy horror. And it's, uh, is his name David from Shaun of the Dead? Okay, yeah. He is my number okay, one. Okay, yeah, I could see that. Annoying. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a great one, too. That's another, there's so many that, like, I had to work so hard on this top five because there's so many great horror movies. Like, it's, like, I'm hated not being able to put Night of the Living Dead on my top five. Oh, me too. Like, I wanted to put Train to Busan on there. Like, there's so many that I didn't get to do. But maybe at one at some point we can do, like, our top six through ten or something. <laughs> I'd be down cool. for that. Well, that was the top ten list. Um, dude, the, If all I'm saying is if you put a ten movie, like, marathon on of all these, I'm, a, I'm here oh, for it. Oh, that would be a great, like, Joe Bob marathon, Joe Bob Briggs, like he just does an entire night of all these movies. I would be so in. <laughs> that sounds good. Anything else you'd like to uh, mention at the end before we go? No, not too much. Um, thank you for bringing me on. I appreciate it. Oh God, yeah. Thanks for being on my first episode. I really appreciate you uh, helping me kick this off. 
it's an honor. I will say that to get to, I say that like I don't talk about this stuff all the time anyway. If someone lets me gab about something. I was going to say, I'm glad that finally, I mean, I'm watching horror movies all the time anyway, and at least now maybe I can vent through this and my wife won't have to listen to me talk about it so much. Liz, it's for the show. I, I have, have to. to. It's research now. It's not me just watching a movie. <laughs> it's research for my show. That's exactly like I watch wrestling all the time. I'm like, no, I have to get the show notes and come it's on. It's like you have this one memorized. It's like, yeah, but I need to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, what if there's something I didn't catch the first one? Also, times? it's almost uh, just about perfect timing because I'm still watching Friday the 13th Part 8, and it just got to the scene where uh, he's in the. Uh, He's in Times Square. <laughs> oh, see, that is a part. Uh, the one part back that like. that is a great scene when uh, Jason kicks the boombox in Times Square and then lifts his oh, mask yeah. up and they all go. This was the gift I send you when you're mad that, about that it. That is a that's the best scene in the movie. That that one I would. I think that was in the trailer, wasn't it? It probably is. It does have a really cool poster too. But okay, I don't want to talk about Friday oh, Eight anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but cool, yeah. Thanks, man. And uh, yeah, make sure to definitely listen to uh, if you like wrestling, listen to Greg and uh, Rob on Ruthless Retrospective. And uh, we can't wait to uh, have the rest come out. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate the All show. Right, thanks, man. No problem. You, you too, have man. A good night.